All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another exciting podcast with the Lifestyle Practice. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Williams, today. And today I'm excited. We got a follow up interview with Dr. Talon Davis. How you doing, <laughs> Talon? <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> How's things going? You know, man, life is good. A lot of changes since our time together and since our last time recording together, but all for the best. And I think the world has changed a lot since then, too. I think we were probably pre-COVID or something like that, you know, last time we we recorded. And so, you know, changed a little bit, but things are going well. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's always fun. You and I have kind of kept in touch messaging each other here and there with things once in a while. And so this last time when we kind of touched base, I thought, you know what? It'd be fun to catch up and we might as well make a a podcast episode out of it. So here we are. Yeah. So let's kind of talk through when we worked together, it was your first, essentially your first year in your practice focused on growth, maximizing what was there. Since then, you've continued to expand. So go ahead and kind of catch us up, kind of talk us through what your steps have been and what you've done since then. Yeah. So my practice, we started in June of 2019. And so the last couple of months of my first year were essentially when COVID shut us down, right? And that was the, also the end of our, our year of coaching together. And so we ended that year with a practice. I think we were doing around like eighty or 90,000, something like that a month. And we were in a four-op shoebox is what I like to call it, where we didn't really have a lot of room for growth or didn't really have a lot of room for anything, to be honest. COVID happened, obviously. Everybody went home. My daughter was born a couple of weeks after the shutdown, so I got a nice paternity leave there. So I wasn't really complaining. It was pretty cool for us. And then, you know, once we got back from COVID, sort of hit the accelerator. I left COVID with a different perspective, and I was sort of looking towards more growth and, and more opportunity. And so I spent the next probably year or so after after the shutdown looking for opportunities to move and merge my practice. We were able to find an opportunity about a year later, uh, and that resulted in us moving to an eight-op location that was relatively close to our original location. And at that point when we moved, we sort of saw immediate growth. It was pretty crazy. It was a crazy six months, really, where we had to hire an associate. We had to hire more you know, staffing. Our, our team essentially doubled, and the practice really grew quite a bit during that time. So... Before you get into that a little bit more, can you talk through when you were in that position in the four ops? Because that's still the practice that I have is a shoebox. <laughs> but <laughs> can you talk through like your decision making process, looking at the pros and cons? Was there a lot of deliberation? Did you know that's what you wanted? What was your long term vision? Talk through some of those things because typically there are a lot of people that are kind of in that same boat wondering. Is it worth the stress and hassle to expand or should I just enjoy what I have now? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because even now when I think back, I think if I had had five ops, I wouldn't have moved. And it's such a a strange thing, just one difference, one operatory, but it really mattered because it's the type of dentistry I like to do. And I'm a relatively conservative dentist. And so we're not cranking out a ton per patient. And so in four ops, we hit capacity 
relatively soon after we went back to work after COVID. And we just weren't growing. We weren't really able to add anything else. And I had to sort of think, you know, what do I want to do? So back when we were in four ops and we had two full-time hygienists to work from, I was really happy. I was making the money I wanted. We had the situation that I wanted, or at least that I thought that I wanted. But I realized that the type of dentist that I am, I really wasn't going to be able to crank up the production quite as much as I wanted to, to get me to the income goals that I had long-term. And so I just needed more chairs and more opportunity. And so back when I was for ops, it was slower paced and I, a form of dentistry. And I just wasn't quite as productive as I knew that I could be. And I just felt like I needed a little bit more room. But it's certainly possible to be successful, you know, in that obviously, you know, you're a, a test case for that. But it wasn't given the practice style that I have. I just needed a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So when you were evaluating it, what were the potential downsides that you kind of looked through in your mind? And then then when you kind of talk about your experience, then you could kind of compare that to what in actuality happened. Yeah. So the big downside that everybody talks about when you're expanding or going to group practice is that one, it's hard to find quality associates. And two, it's hard to find quality staffing. A team of six, seven, eight people is very different than a team of 12, 14, 15 people. And the leadership skills required to manage those are entirely different. And you just, you have to do a little bit more, at least more than I was expecting. So I knew those things going in and evaluating the process of trying to find a merger. I knew that with, what is it, greater power, greater responsibility, don't sue us, Marvel. But it's one of those things where you don't really know how it's going to turn out until you're really in it. You're in the thick of it, and then you're face down in the mud. And so all of the fears that everyone always talks about with group practice came true for me. I mean, finding a associate that met the vision and standards of the office was very difficult. And finding staffing that really fit that as well was, was quite difficult. I refer to it as cycling through staff members, but we cycled through quite a few staff members in our efforts to find the right team. And I think I think we're either there or approaching where we want to be as kind of our final team in the practice. But it really is one of those things where you can prepare as much as possible, but until you're in the bigger space and you're dealing with the problems, it's you just don't know how difficult it really can be. Yeah. I haven't gone through this personally, but I've coached several clients through it and I've worked with some bigger practices. And that, I mean, that is very typical what you're explaining. And I think it can be an important process. If it's consistent turnover, then okay, there may be some bigger picture issues, but there's kind of this fine line where you have to be willing to let employees go if they're not performing to expectations. And then, you know, on the other side, you know, you have to make sure that you as a leader are providing all the training and support that they need. So it can be tough to kind of find that balance. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It was one of those things where before the move, I'd never actually fired anybody. And then in the time since the move, I fired a bunch of people. And it's one of those things where if you know what your vision is, you know what your mission is, you know what you're looking for in an employee and in a skill set, it's a lot easier to make those decisions. And it's kind of like once the first one goes down, the floodgates open and you really feel more comfortable making those decisions and, and making sure that the people that you have align with the practice that you want. Yeah. 
So I guess kind of talk through with us where you're at now and do you anticipate further growth? And now that you've kind of gone through that part of the process, looking back, would you change anything? Would you go back to a certain time when it was a certain way? What are your thoughts there? We're currently a single doctor practice with 14 hygiene days. We're currently looking for an associate because we let go of the one we had before for culture and and fit issues and things like that. And so I'm a single provider doing more than a single provider really ought to be doing. The practice is thriving, though, in certain ways because, as you know, owner case acceptance is always going to be higher than associate-driven case acceptance and things like that. And so it's almost like we're back in our old kind of ways and things are, in a lot of ways, a lot better. But it's also unsustainable because I'm one person and it's just too much dentistry to try to do in the number of days that we do it long term. And so we've we've really moved to a point where we have to have more providers and more help. And the process of doing that is really what we're focusing on now. You know, looking back, I wish I had made the decision earlier to make a change in terms of my associate and things like that, just because from a culture fit it took a long time for me to come to terms with the fact that I had made a hire that ultimately long-term was not going to work and to accept that and then to accept what terminating that person would mean to them and to us and the practice and things like that. I mean, it wasn't like this was a an employee that everybody hated. He was a well-liked person. His patients liked him as well, and it just wasn't going to be a fit long-term. And so, you know, knowing what I know now, I wish I had made that choice sooner I've become a big advocate of the higher, slow, fire, fast, you know, sort of mentality because your team knows more than, sometimes your team knows more than you do. And so it's one of those things where after those decisions were made, the team came by and said, you know, Dr. Davis, we really respect what you had to do. We know it was difficult, but we also know that it was for the best. And so your team is is a valuable resource in that respect. And I think I learned I need to do a better job of listening to them, or at least at a minimum, doing a better job of asking them the things that they see in the practice and what can be changed and what can be better. And so now we're a single doctor practice with three full-time hygienists half the week and then four hygienists the other two days of the week. And I'm just sort of on roller skates trying to keep up with exams while also keeping production up. And it's kind of crazy right now. Yeah, you bring up some good points. I really like what you talked about with hiring and leaning on your staff in TLP Academy. We talk about that in the section on hiring. And that's one thing that I've learned is there's, at least for me, when I'm hiring, I want my staff to spend time with them. We usually do a working interview and I lean pretty heavily on their feedback it's pretty valuable. There's a lot of times they can see something that I'm not able to, and it's kind of saved me from some potentially bad hires that would have been difficult. So I think that's probably a lot of people's fears. And when they think of hiring an associate, there's a lot of those fears that come up. What if they're not doing good dentistry and you're going to have to go back and redo work and you're going to let them go? What if somebody leaves and then you're not able to hire someone and then you've got to pick up all these extra hours Can you kind of talk through that as far as like how much notice did you have and what was your schedule working before and what have you had to do since then? How long do you think until you can get an associate? And when you take all those things into context, do you think 
you know what, maybe it would have been worth it to just stick on my own? Or do you feel like going through some of those things and understanding the risks is worth the potential upside? Yeah, I think the big takeaway here, and I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of negatives about having an associate, and you mentioned a lot of them. But the big takeaway should be that if group practice and having an associate is something that you feel you want to do, it's absolutely worth it. And so while last year was a struggle in a lot of ways for us, I also took off more, way more time than I ever have, had way more flexibility in terms of my schedule and taking care of my daughter and things like that than I would have ever generally had as a sole owner. And so those sorts of benefits are, they're hard to quantify when in terms of your practice, you can make clear comparisons via numbers and production and things like that. But those intangible benefits of having an associate are really sort of impossible to quantify, but it was really worth it for me. I didn't really give notice for the associate. I, you know, I, after having some conversations uh, with a few people and thought leaders in dentistry that I trust, came to the conclusion that he needed to go. And I just, it took a couple of days after that. I think I was planning on doing on a Friday and I couldn't even wait till then. I think I did it on Thursday. And it was one of those things where once the decision was made, the sooner you can, you can execute on that decision, the better. The difficulties in what my schedule looked like pre and post associate, the associate, when they're not a good fit, your associate is going to drag down your practice because you you're forced to feed them exams. You're forced to give them production. You're forced to do things that keep them afloat. And if the associate isn't performing the way you want to, it's at the expense of you and your schedule. And so I saw, you know, once he became full-time, I saw my schedule dropping in terms of production and exams and things like that. And I knew that that wasn't a long-term solution because we were nearing hygiene capacity. And so it was like, well, if we're not producing now, when are we going to produce? And so I'm probably, in terms of my individual production, twice as busy as I was before having the associate. I don't have that flexibility that I used to have. But it's one of those things that when you know that you have someone there to kind of pick up the slack and things like that, you're also more likely to take your foot off the pedal. And so I had this like, I think I reached out to you about it, but I had this almost like a come to Jesus moment, right? And remembering my training with TLP and stuff like that and remembering that I'm a producer, I'm a cleaner, I'm a person that gets stuff done. And I lost that a little bit in the process of trying to grow the associate schedule. And so once you know he was gone, I was able to step into the role of producer, of sole producer pretty easily. Now that's not going to be something that's true for everybody. But me as a productive dentist who likes to do specialty procedures and enjoys doing a variety of dentistry, a variety of types of dentistry, I was able to step into that role. And so I think the month after our associate left, our case acceptance nearly doubled and our production per day increased 20 to 25 percent and with losing a provider, which is not a typical sort of thing. But if you're the type of provider that can really do that sort of dentistry, it's a powerful thing. Now, that's why I said earlier, if I had five ops, I never would have left, right? Because I'm the kind of doctor that thrives with about three hygienists. And if I had three hygienists and two chairs to work from in my old office, I probably never would have left. And so that's where I'm sort of sitting at now. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Good feedback. So to ask the question one more time, on average, how many days per week did you work before with your associate? And on average, how many days are you working now? 
It's probably three and a half days on average with the associate, and it's four days now. Oh, so it it hasn't. You've been able to, it sounds like, kind of condense the schedule. You're probably booked out a lot more maybe than, than you were before, but you're still making things work on not too crazy of a schedule. Correct. Yeah. We were a practice that historically, given my ability to produce, we were never booked out more than like four or five days. And now we're seeing that we're booked out, you know, six to eight days, which is a strange thing for us, but we're, you know, having to adjust to that and just work with it. But yeah, we've been able to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. So any other thoughts that you think would be good to share with those considering going down that road or any thoughts that you have now having gone through the experience? I would just say that the pros outweigh the cons and it's a difficult road. It is, you know, in my experience, it was much harder than managing a smaller solo office, but we didn't even get to the point where everything was good. But the things that I was able to do, even when things weren't good or weren't great, the flexibility I had or that I felt comfortable having was something that is motivating me now to find another associate because it was just so comfortable for me. Now, there's always the question, do you want to just work three days and work really hard and make sure you're really producing in a smaller space and then still be able to take off that time and that sort of thing? That is a a good consideration to have because that's sort of what TLP excels in and there's nothing wrong with that. And if that's what you're looking for, if that's what you're seeking, I would encourage you to do that. But an associate can allow you to ostensibly either get more bang for your buck out of your production or work even less and still replace your income in certain ways. So that's really what I was looking for, that flexibility of maintaining the quality of my income while not having to do quite as much dentistry. So I think it's absolutely worth it if you have considered all the pros and cons and, and gone through that process. It'll be a difficult road, but I think it's it's one worth traveling. Yeah, great thoughts. In general, I think, you know, everybody should weigh out the pros and cons of their individual situation, their personality, how much more responsibility and management do you want to take on? And there's not one right answer for everyone. For me, and I pictured myself from the beginning owning multiple practices and really being kind of more in a managerial role, but once I got a taste of the TLP life and having income so good, having such a high cash flow practice, and I basically work my 23 hours a week, and the rest is just very hands off, and I don't really worry about anything else going on. And so that's that's always been a tough sell to get me. And obviously, I haven't done it. The only other thought that I have that could be beneficial, depending on your timeline, is for anyone that's, you know, considering a possible exit and selling your practice, the more associate driven your practice is, the more likely you are to be able to sell to a DSO and have a higher multiple and essentially not have to work as much. You know, you could be in a managerial role from the the beginning and sell for quite a good amount and stay in a managerial role if things are are working well that's at least something to consider for someone like myself that is the sole producer that's not really an option you're basically going to have to work back for a period of time where you're just not making as much and so the money just doesn't make as much sense there 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of those things that if you're able to execute group practice well, you can have the solo super cranking office level of production with an associate on top of that earning more for you. And you can kind of get the best of both worlds. That's incredibly hard to do. And there are very few offices that execute that. But that is ultimately my goal is being able to kind of have them both working three days a week, being highly productive while doing so, but also having the infrastructure and the continued production from an associate to garner me more income and more flexibility. And so you get that plus the exit gains that you mentioned. And so if you're willing to stomach all of the extra, and really what it comes down is to like HR BS, right? All of the extra HR and all the extra people management, personnel management, if you're willing to stomach that, it can be a really lucrative thing. And if you're not, I completely understand why. <laughs> Great points. Yeah, I appreciate you being really open and sharing the difficulties, the challenges. And it's actually really cool to hear you say, oh, yeah, the, the pros totally outweigh the cons, because I don't know that I hear that a ton. So, Anyone that is looking for an associateship in the DFW area, reach out to Talon. And this was not planned. I actually didn't know, you know that you're looking and stuff. But what's your email real quick for anyone listening that wants to reach out? It's talon.davis at AOL.com. And I understand AOL is a old, terrible, decrepit, defunct website. But they have my email, so it's talent.davis at AOL.com. I'm pretty sure you said that same thing on our episode like three or four years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's because I get nothing but trash thrown at me for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's great. So let's change gears a little bit and kind of talk about a different side of not necessarily a different side of dentistry, but a different side as far as finding balance in life. You and I have had kind of conversations as far as finding success and meaning, fulfillment. Stoicism is something that you and I both really enjoy. So maybe you start out by talking a little bit about so far in ownership. What has your, you know, as you've gone kind of through these ups and downs, these expansion and challenges at different times, how has your mental health or your mindset and your approach to those kinds of things, how has that changed over the years? What was helpful to you in the beginning? And has that led you to something specifically? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Absolutely. So as any entrepreneur knows, and if you own a dental practice, you're an entrepreneur, whether or not you want to admit that. As any entrepreneur knows, we very frequently associate our self-worth and our the meaning in our life with ultimately the collections that we had that month, you know, and things like that. And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, 50 years from now, when I'm reflecting on my life, I'm not going to care about how we did in Q3 of 2022 or something like that. That's never really going to be something that I reflect on meaningfully. And so throughout these ups and downs and difficulties that we've, and challenges we've faced, I've had to find a way to sort of navigate and manage those things in a way that allows me to still feel self-worth and still feel adequate meaning and feel 
that the work that I'm doing still mattered. I'm a person that likes to volunteer a lot of my time for the underserved and things like that, whether it's in music or dentistry or whatever. But even that doesn't take you all the way. And so for me, a lot of that meant either spending a lot of time investing in learning about things like stoicism or even just taking the time to make sure I'm in a good relationship with my wife, my family, and and having a relationship with a therapist and things like that so that I have somebody that can help guide me emotionally and things like that. Stoicism is something that when I was able to find it really changed how I view things. It's one of those things where once you're able to accept how much control you have over your life, it's a lot easier to deal with the challenges that life presents you. We're no different than any other person that's ever existed in that we have difficulties that we face, but we also have good times. And how we respond to those determines our outcome and determines how we feel and how happy we are. And so Stoicism, you know, Ryan Holiday has been kind of the modern Stoic that has really exploded Stoicism into the marketplace and things like that. And so reading his books and following his teachings, and he'll be the first person to admit, you know, to tell you that he's not really teaching anything new. He's just telling you what people have known for millennia now. And so really ingraining that into my life and how I, I live and how I respond to the challenges at work and in my personal life as well, it's impossible to overstate how important that has been for me. If you have the stoic response to life's challenges, you're never surprised. And while you will be upset, you're never unable to manage how things go. So that's been a really powerful thing for me. That's great. I was led to stoicism a few years ago when I was kind of looking towards these goals that I was a few years away from. And it got to the point where I was thinking and I was imagining myself being at that point so much that it was still several years away that I eventually found myself almost constantly thinking of the future and of this moment and of this event. And we all hear the the saying, the grass is greener. But I had this realization that it was just like, look, Derek, if you can't learn to be happy and to enjoy life right now, you're going to get to that point and you're still going to be the same person. And, you know, circumstances might have changed, but you've trained your brain just to be looking for something else. And that really led me to mindfulness, trying to really be present in the moment. And I read Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday. It was actually, I had read other books on mindfulness first, trying to learn more about it. Stillness is the Key is now my favorite book about mindfulness. It's also kind of come at a point to me in my life when my religious beliefs have been challenged quite a bit, and we don't have to get too deep into it. But one thing that has been very enticing to me about Stoicism is that it doesn't matter what you believe religiously, whether you're you know, devout Catholic or Mormon or you're an agnostic or atheist, or it really doesn't matter. Either way, the principles apply to you. And so for quite some time, I've really felt like stoicism is really my religion. It's what, you know, really resonates with me. And to respond to your point about when you said you may still be angry or upset, but you won't necessarily show it and you can find a way to manage through things. It's interesting. You know, I've talked to a lot of people about stoicism and most people that don't really know a lot about it, they just think that 
that if you're a stoic, it just means that you don't show any emotion. And <laughs> it's interesting because the first time I heard that, I was like, no, that's that's not what it is. But I understand how they would think that because from the outside, looking at a stoic, that may be really kind of a lot of what you see. But for me, what has been the most valuable part of stoicism is just the principle of learning what is inside of my control and what is outside of my control and how do I willingly accept what's outside of my control and then change my focus to what is within my control. And that has totally brought a different approach to practicing clinically and running my practice that has made things just so much more manageable and less stressful. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought it back to clinical practice because every dentist knows there's just, we can do everything right and the case can still go bad. We can cut a perfect crown prep and do a perfect root canal and the patient still will be in pain and the tooth still has to be extracted. And sometimes that still won't solve the problem. And I tell my team, the greatest power we can have is appropriate perspective because we can only do so much. We can only, you know, we have so much power and you're absolutely right. Stoicism, if you're going to summarize it, it's knowing what you control and what you don't and having the right response to each one. Society is trained to think, well, the word stoic, well, what's that mean? Well, you're stone-faced and you you don't react like you, like you said. And it's just, that's not it. You do react. Of course you do. You're still a human being. Stoicism doesn't make you an unemotional person. It makes you a person that has power over your emotions and has the ability to guide the energy that they create into a meaningful and useful way. And so, you know, for me and for you, obviously, it's an incredibly powerful tool. Yeah. I would love to ask you, this is a question I've thought about in the past, and I kind of have developed my own thought on it, but I would love to ask you, since you're into kind of this same kind of area, stoicism, living in the moment and embracing things, how have you balanced that? When I talked about myself, always envisioning the future and thinking of things in the future and goals, that can be very good to focus on that. But how have you found a way to balance that, to have goals and to be reaching for something and excited for reaching certain goals in the future while also learning to enjoy the journey and be focused on just this moment and today? That's a great question. For me, it's meant setting goals that were almost like absurdly large or bigger than they reasonably should be. And once I set the goal, I don't really spend much time thinking about it. I then focus on the process of getting there. And as TLP has always preached, you must reverse engineer. And so the joy for any entrepreneur, any tinkerer, is not in the achievement of the goal. It's in the process of getting there and figuring out how to do it. And so focusing on that process and the methods by which we improve allows you to both keep the goal in perspective while really living in the moment and understanding, hey, this is what we have to do now. And so that's really what's worked for me. I've had to learn to actually expand what I thought was possible and then be willing to be vulnerable enough to accept that when you do so, 
you're really increasing the likelihood that you'll fail. But then ignoring all of that and just focusing in on, well, what's it going to take to actually get there? And like you always say, reverse engineering the process. And so it was the Nick Saban thing, right? <laughs> you know, he's a process guy. And so if you can focus on that and stay grounded in that, you'll be really hitting both elements pretty consistently. Yeah, totally agree. And I think we've talked about a lot on this podcast as far as setting your goals and then reverse engineer, break it down. What do you have to do each month, each week, each day, each hour in order to reach those long-term goals? And for me, when those goals can be tied together, I know that if I just focus on the immediate goals, that the long-term goals will take care of themselves. Exactly. So, Talon, I would love to hear your update. I know that you're just an avid believer in coaches and continuing to push yourself in different ways. It would be great for you to share with everyone what are some of the different courses or coaches or groups that you've been involved with since working with me a few years ago and what your experiences have been. Absolutely. You know, I'm a firm believer in the old saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear, right? And so as we cycle through our careers and those of us that spend a bunch of time early in our careers or even in dental school focusing on how to be a high quality practice owner and things like that, we didn't really anticipate the world of coaching that would be available to us, right? And so after I left TLP, I spent quite a bit of time in the shared practices kind of coaching program. And they're really big on group practice, at least they were at that time. And so you know, that did guide my vision towards group practice and the pros and cons. And I was able to, it was able to help me transition towards that a lot better. I had a good experience with them and in their mastermind group, I've met a lot of uh, very close friends and very successful entrepreneurs that have really changed a lot of my perspectives on dentistry that I'm very thankful for. And I wouldn't change that experience uh, for anything just because uh, it was, it was one of those things where you it's really nice to find people that are like-minded and people that are also successful and wanting to really push the envelope. So I spent a couple of years with shared practices until I felt that, you know, I'd really learned from them everything that there was to learn. Now, currently a member of the Dental Success Institute, which is with Mark Costas, which is a, it's a very different kind of coaching program. Like TLP, they do focus quite a bit on mindset which is, of course, the most, arguably the most important thing to focus on. But they're very heavy into systems and a systematic approach to almost removing yourself from your business in terms of the minutia of HR and the minutia of room setups and all those sorts of things. And so they really do put a ton of uh, emphasis on systems, but also, and it's similar to TLP, profitability and making sure you're a profit-first business, and they do operate from the profit-first model, just to make sure that as you're growing to group practice, you're not losing the profits that you're seeking. And it's a very common thing as your practice expands and your overhead expands for things to grow faster than the production grows. And so they put a really strong focus on making sure that that doesn't happen. The people in DSI, you know, quite a few of them have just a lot of experience in dentistry. And so it's nice to talk to someone who's been practicing dentistry for 20, 30 years at a really high level, at an exceptionally high level. And 
that was doing it at a high level before the internet made it easy to find out what's the key to producing well or doing all these things, you know? So people that had figured it out a long time ago, who have then been able to take all the knowledge we have now to share and really, if you want to be cliche, say, take it to the next level, QI role. And so it's been nice to be around people that, that have just been in dentistry a lot longer and have a lot of experience with clinical situations and, and things like that, that I'm just not familiar with. I've also branched out into a entrepreneurial coaching service called Strategic Coach, which I was connected to through shared practices that as much as all of the dental specific coaching services that I've used have helped me, Strategic Coach has, I would say, had the most powerful impact on me from a mindset perspective. And it's mostly just because in that program, you know, we meet quarterly and then we'll have a few Zoom meetings or something in between that. But when you're in that program, you meet you know, for eight hours, you know, one day every three months, and the people in that room are all the highest of the highest level performers. In my section, I'm the only dentist, yet there's something that I can teach the people there, and there's something that I can learn from them all the time. It's a program where every time I go to a meeting, I'm fairly certain I'm the poorest person there, and yet the people there are gracious and kind and have tremendous patience for learning alternative perspectives on things. And it's really uh, allowed me to almost validate the work that I've done in the past as growing as a leader, a mentor, and a business person, and knowing that things that I've learned and the experiences I have, I have had are universally applicable. You know, people with these 10, 20, 30 million dollar companies still have something to learn from me with my, you know, rinky-dink eight-op dental practice, that sort of thing, you know. And so while they have things on a bigger scale to worry about, the problems are the same and the solutions are the same. You just have to learn how to apply them in different ways. So I've been incredibly thankful to be in Strategic Coach. I didn't think it would be as powerful for me as it ended up being, but it's one of those things that every time I leave a meeting, I am, my staff, my staff can always tell. I'm so amped and and I look like a, a wide-eyed teenager just looking at the world in a different way. <laughs> so it's crazy how much your perspective can change just with a few short conversations with people that have been through just so much more than you. And so I've been very uh, appreciative of that. That's great. It's really good to hear that. We talk to quite a few people doing consults when we're like evaluating, working with different dentists and evaluating whether we're a good fit. Is the client someone that we feel would work well with us and vice versa? Do we feel like we can be the group that can really help them push themselves and, and take things where they want to be? And I honestly feel this way, but I, I almost always tell people, look, you don't have to work with us, but you really should work with someone. I'm such a big believer in in the process that you can excel so much faster by being involved with these different groups, finding others that are in similar situations and working through things. You're going to excel so much faster than if you did it on your own. So whoever you decide, interview and talk to several different groups that are out there and find which one you feel like you really resonate with and that you really believe can get you where you want to go. And then when you choose and you jump in, you just go all in. 
you'd be trusting and be willing to take advice. You'd be willing to work hard at the program that you're in. And the sky's the limit for what you can accomplish. And I think you're a, a perfect example of that. So it's it's really, really cool to hear your experience over the years and finding different groups for different phases that you've been in. So I appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. And I agree wholeheartedly. If the best in the world in terms of athletics and business performance need coaches, you do too. And so I think you're absolutely right. Cycle through, find out what company is going to work best for you. But it's not it's not an issue if, if you can afford it. It's one of those things you can't afford not to do. And so my ability to try to harness the words and the, the knowledge that people who came before me have had has allowed me to essentially quadruple my practice in just under four years. And so it's not even a question if I don't think if I could do that. I know I couldn't do that by myself. And so if you're someone who's looking for growth and looking for meaning out of out of what you're doing, find help, find a coach and, and get going. Yeah, great words. I just started working with a couple dentists in New York. We've been, we're about three months into it. And this last week, they're brothers, they're partners. And the brother sent me an email and just said, he just basically was saying thanks. He's like, man, I, I can't believe the progress we've made in such a short amount of time. He said, my only regret is that I found you guys in my 40s and not in my 30s, in my earlier days. I can't imagine how much farther I'd be ahead. But either way, you take advantage of the opportunities that you have. So appreciate you sharing that. Anything else? You know, this has been a really fun conversation, some really meaningful topics. Anything else that's on your mind that you want to share with listeners? No, I mean, that's really it. Just I think we're when we grow up, we're told to, to dream big. And somehow it's taken me 34 years to learn that you should dream bigger. And the potential that you have is something you'll never really realize until you test and you push yourself and you make yourself try to do something you've never tried to do. And so don't be afraid because there's no journey that you're going to go on that at the end, you know, if you've worked hard and you've, you've put everything you have, you're never going to be sad or disappointed that you tried your best. And so it's not always going to work and you will fail, but you really only truly fail if you don't get back up and keep pushing. And so find help, find out what you want, find meaning and go kick some butt. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Dr. Talon Davis. <laughs> Seriously, that's great. I'm not even going to add any, anything to that. That was great words of wisdom. Talon, I really appreciate you being on the podcast and being able to follow up and, and catch up. So one last time, if anybody has questions for Talon or interested in being an associate, I can vouch for, for Talon that working in his practice would be an incredible opportunity. He's a great mentor, has a lot of things in life figured out. So if you're interested, that's talon.davis at aol.com. <laughs> And if you're interested in talking to any of us at the Lifestyle Practice, Derek, Steve, Justin, or Matt at thelifestylepractice.com. Take care, everybody. We will talk to you next time.